Is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the October 4th edition. October 6th, I don't want to go backwards. Edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news, brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Fiasco. You can call me John. I am joined, as always, by the king of the courtside, the courtside king. Joey, what's up, buddy? John, trying to roll back the days a little bit on us there. I don't want to. I don't want to go back. <laughs> I don't want to do it, Mr. Stark. <laughs> Please don't make me. Uh, Joey, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm doing all right. I, it's been a little on and off, like sickness wise. I've had some like pains in my stomach this week, so just kind of nice. getting through it. But I'm here. Uh, I'm excited. There's been so many gaming news bits this week. I feel like new trailers are dropping all over the place. We have new acquisition news. I feel like we are getting into the heart of gaming right as we get close to that holiday season. So the excitement levels are also climbing quite a bit. Uh, the excitement levels and the uh, $0 amounts in my bank account from all the games I'll be buying because it's the holidays. And like you said, holidays means new games because consumerism is awesome. Uh, Nation, make sure you follow the show on Twitter. Uh, if you're not doing so already, uh, you should be. You should be following the show on Twitter. It's on Facebook and Twitter at Level Up Live. That is at LVLUP Live. And while you are on Twitter, Make sure you follow your favorite or least favorite esports gaming commentator slash hosts, whatever you want to consider us. Uh, just give us a follow if you so choose so. Joey at Courtside King, myself at Fiasco. If you're watching here live on Twitch, what's up? Um, yeah, they're the handles that you're currently staring at on your screen. If you're listening to the podcast version of the show, they'll be in the show notes for you below. And Nation, speaking of the podcast version of the show, while well, the live show on Twitch is the place to be. We do offer the show in a podcast form. Check out the Level Up podcast now available on your podcatcher of choice. If you're looking for extra credit for bonus points in the game of life, pretty sure they don't get you anything. Sub to OTN on Twitch. Uh, we would be forever thankful. Use your sub prime sub Amazon gaming prime sub, whatever Amazon is now calling it. Use it on us, please. And thank you. Or someone else but we prefer us joey what in the world are we talking about tonight on the 6th of october i got the date right this time hey look at that uh so so far tonight guys we're going to talk a little bit about acquisitions some big ones coming out there as well as some more information on that acquisition of activision blizzard by microsoft then from there we're going to dive into a couple new games that came out recently overwatch 2 being one of the bigger ones. Uh, we're going to look at Halo switching to Unreal Engine. That's been in the news a lot lately as well. CD Projekt Red's new pipeline. Some new trailers dropping this week. Delays and LOL Worlds, among other topics tonight, John. It uh, should be a little bit of a quicker show and also a quick apology to those watching live with us. We did start about an hour early tonight. John's Broncos are playing in the Thursday night football game tonight, and we both wanted to watch the game. So because of that, we did bump the show up and didn't give you guys a ton of advance notice. But hopefully those on Discord, discord.me forward slash OTN can go ahead and find the event because it is now live and you guys should start seeing notifications pop up here and there as well. Uh, yes, uh, Panicking Pat, it is a hella late notice. And Joey, <laughs> as you were saying that, I realized I even forgot to tweet about it. Uh, so, so yeah. yeah. We're off uh, our game. Is, hopefully the Broncos won't be. <laughs> uh, good, good chance they will be off their game also uh, because they had, had they had to hire a quality uh, game quality coach because... God forbid we know how to use a timeout. But, Joey, this is not uh, the rant about the Denver Broncos or the NFL, because I'm pretty sure we could definitely do that. Pretty sure we had a show about that one time. Uh, but, Joey, we do have uh, some amazing topics that we did touch on here just before uh, we 
Uh, head into them, though. Joey, we have our drink of choice, as always. Uh, Panicking Pat, I will time you out if you keep uh, bringing that raider propaganda into my chat room. Simple as that. Uh, Joey, <laughs> drink of choice. What are you having for to, uh, your beverage? Tonight? John, just water. I rushed quickly from the bus stop to here, so not enough time to pour anything mm -hmm. else. Uh, I grabbed the first thing I could out of my mini fridge, and it happened to be ginger ale. Um, hey. Not even alcohol, so I'm a little, I'm a little upset. Uh, but nonetheless, Joey, we have our beverages. We have some topics here. So let's go ahead and get into our first segment, of course. That is Gaming and Esports News, and it is presented by GamerBytes. Bite-sized Gaming and Esports News delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today. If you are here on Twitch with us, take a look at if as soon as i can type it in there that beautiful <laughs> link we just put in there uh it's a bitly link so it's bit.ly slash gamer sign up for those of us on the podcast version of the show we'll put it in the show notes for you as well join today new episode new episodes new editions go out on monday morning get your full recap by signing up for gamer bites today joe let's get into gaming esports news let's go Absolutely, sir. When we talk acquisitions, it typically has to do with games or IPs related to games. This one's a little bit different. There is some game involvement, sure, but it's actually more of a media involvement. This is fandom acquiring GameSpot, GameFAQs, Giant Bomb, Metacritic, and more. Uh, for those of you who look at game ratings, Metacritic is one of the biggest sites out there for that. GameSpot, also really popular for gaming news. Giant Bomb, pretty popular as far as the podcasting platforms go. So overall, John, this is a big, big acquisition. Now, again, there's no IPs involved. There's no console makers moving, no publishers or game developers being moved here. But this is a ton of people who cover gaming all under the umbrella of fandom now. Yeah, um, it's actually a pretty big acquisition here just from a, like a, a media standpoint. Uh, when you take a look at the different gaming uh, publications out there, whether it's online or those very super rare uh, printed editions, uh, it's all kind of being consolidated here a little bit, and that's a, a growing trend that we've been seeing just in, in the media market uh, over the past 10, 15 years, uh, kind of consolidating for survival, if you will. Uh, so fandom acquiring GameSpot, Game uh, FAQs, Giant Bomb, Metacritic, like you were saying, uh, that's big. That's massive. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if they all fall under one umbrella. Will they be operating independently? Uh, but nonetheless, uh it's, it's time to survive, and that's what these businesses are trying to do. Yeah, it's a lot. $55 million going the opposite way for all these companies. On top of the ones we mentioned, TV Guide, Fanatical, Comic Vine, Cord Cutters, and Screen Junkies also involved here. So overall, we're looking at about nine different media conglomerates of different platforms being brought under fandom. Now, John, I don't know if you've used much with fandom before. Uh, the one issue I have with them is that they throw ads on every one of their pages. They're like those pages with the little bar down the side. And it's not terrible to navigate, but when the ads are constantly scrolling all over the place, I'm really hoping a lot of these platforms don't become super ad dependent as a result of this acquisition. Nobody likes ad. That's why I use ad blocker, unsolicited ad blocker ad there on uh, on level up today. There you go. Un unpaid for. I just really enjoy them because they get rid of those pesky ads. There you go, guys. So if you want to get rid of ads, that is one of the ways to do it. Next up in the news of acquisitions, John, is Brazil's Cade approving Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision with no reservations. So not only are they moving forward with approving it, they're doing it with no reservations. A lot of people thinking if this deal goes through, we could end up seeing something where Microsoft is 
and they have to sign some kind of obligation to keep Call of Duty on the PlayStation platform or to keep it off of Game Pass or some different really giveaways here and there to kind of make the deal a little bit more, um, I guess, friendly in terms of composition or competition rather. So we'll see how this continues to play out. But at least for now, Brazil seeming to take the sign of Microsoft saying, hey, they're currently not in first place. They're not even in second place in consoles. They're in third right now. As far as gaming revenue goes, they're behind Tencent, they're behind Sony. So Brazil is seeing this as a move to allow Microsoft to compete more, even though they are a big billion trillion dollar company. This does allow them to uh, see them as a competitor in the gaming area, as opposed to someone who will run away with it with this deal going through. Uh, one quote that a lot of people are pulling from this particular statement from Brazil's Cade, it is important to highlight that the central objective of Cade's activity is the protection of competition for Brazilian customers or consumers rather, and not the defense of the particular interests of specific competitors. Uh, a lot of people taking this as kind of a shot against Sony. The only publisher to speak out against the deal was Sony to Brazil. Since then, after Google shut down Stadia, Google has spoken out against the move for EU, even though they approved it to the Brazilian group. So it's curious to see what Google is going to do next as well. But as far as Sony goes, this seems like a little bit of a shot to them from Brazil. Getting spicy, Brazil. I like it. I like it. But I mean, it's facts, though. It honestly is facts. When you take a look in comparison to where Microsoft stands in the console wars, they're not number one. I, I think that's something that, that we can all admit to. Uh, the Switch, the PlayStation 5, uh, Nintendo and Sony will always have a major, major uh, hold on the gaming, uh, on, the, on the console gaming uh, genre, if you will. Because they've been around for so long. Let, let's let's remember here, the Xbox launched in the 21st century. Sony has been around since, what, the, 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 the 60s, 70s, the 80s? Same thing with Nintendo. They've been around forever. Uh, they've been putting out consoles out there forever. The PlayStation 1, the PlayStation 2, the PlayStation 3, the PlayStation 4. Weird. It's like Sony knows how to count, but Microsoft still can't get that right, at least. Uh, but then you have Nintendo. Uh, you know, you had the, the Super Nintendo, you had the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, the Super NES, the Nintendo 64, all the different handhelds out there as well. They've been around forever. They're always going to have a major, major sharehold of the market. That being said, that's going to go in favor of Microsoft with this acquisition. I think that's a very valid point. They're currently in third, fighting fighting for survival, if you will. Those were air quotes for our podcast listeners. Uh, fighting for survival against the two giants that have a big market um, market hold or, or, or big hold on the market space, if you will, for the consoles. So I, I think it's a legitimate argument. I think you know if whether there's a shot at Sony or not, I don't think anyone cares at this point in time because I actually think it's a, it's a very valid point. Um, that uh, that yeah, I mean it is what it is. I, I think Microsoft is is eventually going to get this deal pushed through uh, globally. Uh, and it's going to happen sooner rather than later. And I think Sony is just going to have to, you know, cry about it into their Wheaties and just use their tears as a, as a milk substitute for their lactose intolerance of, of Microsoft. That was a vision I did not expect to have tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement as well. I think it's eventually going to pass. I could see it passing with some concessions of sorts when it comes to the EU side of things. But overall, I just don't see Microsoft pulling Call of Duty off PlayStation. No. It makes a ton of money over there. That's the way to put your logo in front of those gamers. If anything, you say, hey, PlayStation fans, you guys can play the game. It's going to be available on your console for $70 versus coming over to Xbox. You can get it for $14.99 or whatever a month on Game Pass Ultimate or even less if you just do the Xbox version or the PC version. 
So I think that's really where the win is for Xbox with this deal. And again, I don't think people are going to navigate completely to Xbox because of this. Sure, it's a better price acquisition if you're just going to be a Call of Duty gamer. But I feel like PlayStation first party pulls in enough players by itself. I mean, God of War, Horizon, Spider-Man. They have a great arsenal of really good titles over there as far as gameplay. So I think those will still be able to pull in plenty even if this deal goes through. And again, I really don't see being Call of Duty being pulled regardless anyway. So uh, in the end, they become the second governing body to approve the deal. Saudi Arabia being the first, we're still looking at stuff like the FTC for the U.S. Uh, the U.K. is investigating there in phase two, and then EU has entered their next phase as well. So we should hear those eventually, but those are the next three big ones uh, that are kind of left on the table at the moment. Next up, in a much, much smaller acquisition than these last two we mentioned, this is Bandai Namco. They are now the majority shareholder of Limbic Entertainment. So again, not a full-on acquisition, but they are a majority shareholder. This is a studio of game devs they've worked with for a while now. It's pretty much deepening the relationship as they get ready to announce more games between them. Speaking of games, John, we had a big one launched this week. A big one that's very similar to its predecessor in many ways. That is Overwatch 2. You and I both have had a chance to dive in. I believe you played a little bit more than me because you were able to get in on launch night, if I remember correctly. Uh, but launch did have its issues and still continues to have those issues. What was your day one experience, John? Uh, Joey, I'm, I'm going to sum it up here for you uh, with a quick live look uh, into the amazing uh, Overwatch 2. Uh, Joey, we're still waiting to get in. 40,000 players ahead of me at the moment uh, on launch day. Uh, and days after launch day, this is not a live look. This is just a screenshot. Joey, <laughs> it was an absolute freaking nightmare. Pretty much everything Blizzard expected. Uh, look, at, at, at the end of the day, Joey, it comes down to this. No one plays Overwatch anymore. No one played Overwatch. It went two plus years of zero content updates. It was neglected by the developers, by the studio that created it. Everybody left. Everyone was solely focused on Overwatch 2 for over 1,000 days after the initial announcement that people just got fed up with Overwatch. And then all of a sudden, they said, hey, look, let's take a look at our current numbers from Overwatch. Let's set up our servers for Overwatch 2 and expect the seven remaining people still playing this game to be the only seven that log on. Joey, the problem was is it wasn't seven people. It was at least 700 people because their servers couldn't handle it. Uh, in fact, it was a lot more than 700. It was thousands, if not millions of people trying to log on. And the servers just couldn't handle it and and it was a nightmare it's exactly what blizzard did not want to happen if we're being uh in, in all seriousness here uh a ddos attack immediately on launch people couldn't get in uh once you did get in after you waited for a half an hour an hour two hours if you were lucky four hours five hours joey i couldn't get in on launch day and i was trying for over six hours mm. couldn't get in when you did get in got disconnected you were mid-game Got kicked out. Servers, very unstable. Joey, there was a workaround. You could try to hop on through the Asia region. Uh, if you're here in North America, uh, that seemed to have somewhat better success uh, at at least getting in in a somewhat less than three-hour time span. Uh, but even then, the servers were still, uh, you know, bad. They, they were bad. The, the launch was probably about as bad as Blizzard could have imagined it was going to be. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate. Um, the game itself, 
uh, you know, it's literally polished Overwatch. It's not worth the 1,000 plus days of working on this game since that announcement of Overwatch 2. Um, I, I'm not going to use the analogy of you polish a turd and it's still a turd. Um, because I don't think it is a turd. Honestly, no, 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 look, I'm not going to use that, but I'm just, you know, it's kind of there. It's like, it feels like Overwatch. It feels like the original Overwatch. It doesn't feel any different. The way the games play still feel the same. Now, how the game is played in-game, obviously you don't have an off-tank anymore, uh, and the character, some of the characters got reworks, that's fine, so you kind of have to rediscover the meta, but at the end of the day, Joey, it still feels like the same game that is in desperate need of new content, which is somewhat what we needed and what we got on launch with the Battle Pass, with new heroes, with new maps, and thank God, Blizzard, kind of a map of what we can expect to see going forward with this game. Yeah, I feel like even though launch had it has its woes, uh, I think there are some good things going in favor of it. I mean, one, loot boxes are gone. Some people yeah. like loot boxes. Most people hated them. I like that if I want a skin, I can now go get that skin. I can use currency on it. I don't have to play the random generator 300 times to hope I get it. So I like that fact. I think the battle pass, again, and a lot of people are arguing that there's too many battle passes in games nowadays, and I'm starting to feel that same way because they're pretty much grindable in every big major FPS game and really every free-to-play game it feels like as well. Uh, this being another one where there is a battle pass, but I think it is a nice route for content. There's a free track. There's a paid track. If you just want to play, you'll continue along that free track. So I think it's a nice touch. Again, while battle passes are getting a little overdone, similar to the zombie trope in games, uh, it is nice to continue to see that as an option for players that want to go with that track. Um, as far as the gameplay goes, it's faster than the beta, which I think that was my biggest complaint with the beta is everything felt like a wet noodle fight. Like the tank would just constantly get healed up and up and up because you have two healers in one tank now. And it just felt like fights were never ending and they would go on and on and people would get ultimates again in the same fight and it's ridiculous. Uh, now I feel like we're seeing a lot less of that, at least from the little bit we played. You were able to flank the tanks a little bit more while they're still super healthy and they have a lot of grind to kind of wear through their health bar. It was a lot easier to tag supports, at least in the live version versus the beta version. So I think they improve certain balance there at least. Uh, the menu looks nice. I think the UI is great. Is it a game that I'm going to constantly come back to? I'm not sure yet. I feel like it hits on that nostalgia that Overwatch did. I'm just curious if they'll be able to hold us around, and I think you have the answer to that, Johnny. You already mentioned it. It's content. Do we get new characters regularly? Do we get new maps regularly? What can they give us? Like, events. They did a good job with events, too, with Overwatch, like Junkenstein's Revenge and Lucio Ball. But then after you have the same events year after year, and there's not much change between them, uh, it started to get a little bit stale. So I think... Giving similar events, but changing them up, as well as that new character cadence and that map cadence, if they can stick with that, I think people will stick around for this game longer, assuming they can log in, that is. Yeah, and you know, it, to be completely honest here, too, I mean, you mentioned it. Those PvE events in Overwatch saw spikes in people playing this game. Uh, yes, it, it's a multiplayer game. Yes, it was originally created to be an eSport. It was originally created to be a multiplayer uh, online game. That's fine, but... You still have people that like playing PvE. You still have people that want a story. And I'm sorry, you launched Blizzard, you launched Overwatch with a crap ton of lore, right? You had character origin videos that literally made people cry. I'm looking at you, Bastion, with your trucker cap now. Um, 
you have all this rich lore, all this amazing storytelling. And I'm sorry, Blizzard, when it, when it comes to studios that know how to tell a story, Blizzard's second to none. They do a fantastic job. Just take a look at, at the world of Warcraft, Warcraft in general. We're talking 20 plus years of telling an amazing story. Some of the expansion's a little sus, but the story, absolutely incredible to last that long. Blizzard knows how to do it. They're going to have a PvE mode coming out sometime in 2023 which is probably smart and that is what i feel like is going to start bringing players back the multiplayer online part isn't really enough to secure those people that have fallen off yes the increased content maybe the battle pass uh the free battle pass is always great too playing the game getting free stuff just for playing that works the fact that they switched it to free to play i think that's a super smart idea so we'll see we'll see what happens I, I do think the real test for Overwatch 2 will be what happens once the PvE modes come back come, uh, and there's a campaign or some kind of story that comes out there because I feel like that's where people really start to connect. We saw how this community connected with the voice actors and actresses uh, from these characters from conventions and people making amazing content and meeting these incredibly talented uh, voice actors and actresses all over the world. That's what made Overwatch unique was the way the community came together uh, around those voice actors and built this community. That's what they need to bet on again. And I think a story mode will be exactly what they need to fix that. Yeah, I definitely think that would help. And again, dropping content regularly, whether it be story modes, whether it be new characters, something to keep the queue times down. I mean, I think that was one of the biggest killers with Overwatch, right? Like you're not having this constant content coming out. So it's starting to get stale. You don't want to continue playing. And then you do decide to jump back on. You say, hey, I'm kind of in the mood for Overwatch. Let's go play a game, John. And I hop on there and the queue's like 10 to 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, John, let's go play something else. Because people don't want to wait that long. So they need to keep content to keep people around, to keep those queue times down, and to keep the game kind of flowing. We'll see if they can do that. I think week one, at least just based on the players trying to log in, it seems like queues are going to be pretty good. Uh, there's constant flows of players coming into the game. The real key, again, is going to be retaining those players. And I think at least through October, they'll be able to do pretty good. And Call of Duty is a very different game, but being an FPS game as well, that's going to be their big test at the end of the month when Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 drops. Will they be able to keep that strong player base up during that time? Yeah, so but before we move on, Joe, we're going to take one more check here on the uh, Overwatch queue. Yep, nope, still stuck at 40,000. Unfortunately, we are still <laughs> not going anywhere anytime soon, uh, which means, Joey, we should just continue with the show for our next topic then. And for those here in NA, I think the queue is going down, but we did have a little trick come up. I think someone saw it on Twitter originally. Uh, you can switch your region to Asia or to Europe and see what those queue times look like as well. Uh, sometimes those do end up being a little bit quicker. So if you have been stuck in NA f behind 40,000 players like John, that might be something to consider moving forward as well. Next up, Halo switching to the Unreal Engine. Uh, this is one we're not going to spend a ton of time on, I don't think, but it is an interesting and intriguing prospect to kind of consider. Uh, Halo Infinite, is it going to switch to Unreal? No, it is not. Halo Infinite is out. Whether it be complete or not, it is an out game, and they're not going to completely switch an engine on that. That would take years to do, and it's just not going to happen. Now, the Halo Battle Royale, that's a possibility of switching to Unreal, as future Halo titles are as well. Personally, I think the Halo Battle Royale does drop in slip space. There's rumors of it, I believe, coming from Jez Corden of Windows Central that it will utilize parts of Forge, which are only available in slip space. So I think that Battle Royale will use that same engine. Now, moving forward, looking at Halo down the road, this is something they have tried before. 
They couldn't replicate the Halo physics very effectively in Unreal Engine. So I think that was the major holdback to why they didn't switch to it earlier. Do I think they switch later down the road? I think on the pro side, it's going to be a lot easier to hire a bunch of developers. And a big game like Halo needs to have tons of developers to really support it at the rate that it needs to be supported. So that could be the route they end up going because a lot of people already work in Unreal Engine. It would be easier to convince them to come over because then if they don't like the project, they can go somewhere else very easily, translating that knowledge of the engine very easily. Now, on the opposite side, Slipspace, it's a harder engine to use. It's only used by Halo. So if someone dedicates their career time a year or so to come work on that engine, it's going to take a long time to learn it. It takes two or three months at the very least to get the minimum down, I'm sure. Again, I have no game development experience, but I'm assuming it takes a while. And then from there, translating that to another developer, if they do move on to a new project down the road, you can't really translate too much of that over because it's a completely different engine. So on the pro side, it does open up the hiring a lot more, but on the downside, they could lose that Halo feel. So in the end, again, I think Infinite stays on the current engine. I think the Battle Royale, if it eventually releases, does stay on the current engine as well. But I do think it could be considered for future if they find a way to really replicate that Halo feel, and that's really what it comes down to. You're going to piss fans off. If you make content, that's great. That's awesome. But if you can't replicate that feel, fans are going to be pissed off in the end. So... Uh, Halo fans are hard to please, and it, I just don't know if switching this engine would be the way to please them either. Uh, overall, John, I know you don't play quite as much Halo as I do, but what are your thoughts of a game, especially a franchise that's been around for so long, switching engines like this? I really don't like talking about dead games. Um, <laughs> we no, just talked I, about Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> Overwatch 2, though. It can't hey. be dead if you can't get in. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the move to Unreal Engine. I think you hit on a lot of really good points there, especially when it comes to uh, hiring studio talent uh, to come into your studio to create more content. Again, like you said, Unreal Engine is a widely accepted gaming engine, gaming creation engine uh, for a lot of these titles out there versus having a uh, unique IP when it comes to um, uh, game development software and just kind of an engine in general. Uh, yeah, because I mean, you go to Halo, you work for, for 343, and it's like, okay, cool, I know how to build this one game. I'd like to advance in my career, and guess what? You only know how to work in one engine. That's generally not good. And then when you want to hire people, no one's really going to know your engine either because you're the only one in the industry that uses it. So that's, I think that's a very valid point that you made there, Joey. I, I think it's an interesting idea. I'll be curious to see what they do uh, for it going forward. Uh, definitely, I don't think they're going to be switching anything over to the Unreal Engine. I think that would just take way too much time and effort. Uh, that's just really not necessary. Maybe newer games in the future will be on the Unreal Engine. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it's an interesting move, and I think it's actually a pretty smart move on their part getting away from uh, an engine that only they use. And, again, this is just rumor for now, so yeah. we're just kind of speculating, guys. We don't know if this move is happening. We don't know if it's not happening. Uh, again, I think it's pretty safe to assume, like John and I said, it probably won't happen for a current game that's out there. With that being said, into the future, uh, for me, one of the indicators, 343 has not commented on all these rumors, and they've been trending for days now. I think the silence there could mean there might be something at least being considered in the background. With that being said, we're not really going to know for a little while. Uh, eventually, we might hear something or see something probably down the road, but it's probably a couple years. Uh, unless they give a definitive statement that they are moving or are not moving, I don't think we'll hear anything or see anything for the very near future. 
Next up, CD Projekt Red, the makers of Cyberpunk and The Witcher, have come out and mentioned a little bit about their pipeline moving forward. Uh, again, a lot of people disappointed with the launch of Cyberpunk 2077. A lot of refunds coming through. And then Netflix released Cyberpunk Edge Runners. That one in particular has done extremely well as an animated show, and it's brought a lot of people back to Cyberpunk. I think it broke its record like two weekends ago at this point. It hit over 100,000 concurrent players on Steam. So it's really having a second revival in a sense. It's coming back. A lot of people picking up the game for the first time. A lot of people returning to the game and into Night City again. Uh, so what do we know about Cyberpunk 2077? We know it had a rough launch. We know it is getting one DLC, and it's had a ton of big patches as well. Uh, some patches that John and I had to scroll on the stream here for... I mean, it felt like the length of an Overwatch 2 queue at times, uh, as long as some of those patch notes were. Uh, in the end, Cyberpunk is only getting one DLC, though. It's going to be something Liberty, and I just forgot the name of it. Uh, but that won't be the last we see of Cyberpunk. They are going to continue building out this IP, and they have announced Project Orion, which will be a new Cyberpunk game that will come out later down the road. And hopefully it won't need a 38-gig patch immediately after launch. Uh, to fix or all of its horrible coding and graphics for consoles, uh, but but nonetheless, um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about Cyberpunk just getting one expansion, then calling it quits, and then just working on a different game. Um, I, look, I'll be honest, I, I feel bad for Cyberpunk fans out there. Uh, you waited so long for 2077, and it flopped on release. It it flopped bad. I mean, to the point where Sony, Sony. The uh, the marker of the moral high ground came in and said, we are pulling your game from the Sony PlayStation Store because it is broke. Literally what Sony said verbatim, word for word, you can quote me on that. It is broke is what Sony said and uh, pulled it from the store um, until they got it fixed. It was a nightmare. It was a terrible, terrible launch. So in reality, Joey, maybe they just want to bury this one right next to that amazing uh uh, worst game ever made for the Sega Genesis. I can't even remember what it was called, but it was just like buried in the bottom of a dumpster. Netflix has a special on it. Uh, but nonetheless, um, maybe they just want to get rid of it. Uh, and maybe they're kind of uh, playing this all down with the idea of uh, more Witcher games coming out. And the Witcher is a beloved title also. Uh, so I think fans are going to be excited for The Witcher. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Cyberpunk deserves more. Um, I'm glad they're going to get more games in, uh, in that universe. Um, but it just... When I think of 2077, I, j I just feel bad for the people who actually play the game. Yeah, I mean, the game is good, right? The game yes, is supposedly game very is good. good at this point. The bugs have been fixed. Again, like John said, they we're talking 38 gigabyte whatever patches later. Uh, it felt like a whole new game worth of patches. But in the end, they did have to cut a lot of content. I feel like that content gets rolled over into this new game and expanded upon. Uh, the one thing I think we can almost guarantee, John, is that they do not rush this game out. I think when the second one launches, it will be as polished as possible. It will be ready to go. They're not going to make that same mistake again that they made in December. Uh, what was it? 2020, I think, when it eventually or when it originally launched, maybe 2019. Uh, but in the end, yeah, I don't see that mistake happening again. I think the game has a rich universe behind it and a very rich environment. I think the mechanics are good. The RPG aspects are good. Uh, the character design is almost too good in certain areas. So I'm curious to see what they do end up expanding upon with the new title. But I kind of like that they're cutting it off here. I know a lot of people would like more DLC, but I like the idea of them saying, hey, this game had a rough launch. We're going to give you some DLC for those who bought in or for those who want to buy in. But then we're going to look at building this IP into something bigger, something more polished next time around. Now, now, now 
you, yeah, you huh? do say that they're going to wait and make sure it's polished and ready to go. Joey, this game was in development for over 10 years. That's true. This game was delayed multiple times when it was supposed to be launched years before it was because of quality control issues. Uh, so while, yes, I think you have a very valid point, Joey, my question to you is, will we be alive for the sequel of Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> if we have to wait for their quality control to I mean, actually get right? <laughs> I think it'll be sometime in 2030, early 2030. I, I hope we'll still be oh, around God. then. Um, you never know, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the end, I think the game... I feel like it suffered from COVID, right? Like they're coming along. I think the final polishing stages and the quality assurance probably took a big hit right around COVID with everyone moving to a work from home environment. And some jobs can do that very well. Other ones like game development, that becomes increasingly hard. Uh, a lot of developers don't own the level of hardware that they need to have in those situations to continue game development from home. So that took time to ship those things. And then again, you're not with coworkers. So discussions were over Zoom or over Skype or over these other platforms. And it just it ended up being a little bit of a an adjustment, let's say, not necessarily an inhibitor, but an adjustment for the gaming industry. And I think with Cyberpunk sticking to that final deadline, they probably should have shifted it a couple more times just to make sure they could meet the needs because that thing came out hella buggy. Uh, and it's taken, I would say, at least a year or so to fix a lot of those bugs. So another year probably would have helped it as well as Halo Infinite and a number of other games that have released. So it is not the only one in that area as well. Uh, last but not least, just to mention a couple of these Witcher projects, they are starting a new Witcher project, and it is going to be a three-game trilogy. Uh, very ambitious to get this out in the next couple years. Uh, Codename is going to be Polaris for this one, and it's going to include three games, it sounds like. Uh, the first, they don't have a release date for it, um, but they do describe it as the beginning of a new saga, so... Uh, it sounds like it will be eventually coming, and I believe they're hoping to get all of these out in the 2020s. Do I think that happens? Probably not, um, but that is at least what they are aiming for there. And then they mentioned a new partnership as well. Uh, this one coming as Canis Majoris, Canis Majoris, or something like that is how it's pronounced. Um, uh, I don't remember which one this is. What's your game? Yeah, I don't remember which one that is. That might be another... Oh, this is this the Molasses Flood one? I got lost in these notes here. Um, I think this might be the Molasses Flood one. So they made, uh, it was a Drake game a little while back. It did all right. It kind of got hit a little bit by critics. It sounds like this will be the one if I'm reading this correctly. Um, I did get a little bit lost here. For those on the podcast, sorry about that. You don't get a look at me looking all crazy. Um, but yeah, I think in the end, this is what we're going to see is Candace Majoris and Sirius are going to be the next two games here. Um, they did mention Hadar as well as another code name. In the end, what they're trying to do with The Witcher is they're trying to build on the success of what it had with Netflix and the success of what it had as a game. They're going to build out their own new trilogy as well as start licensing the IP out. And we've seen this done very well, right? Like Star Wars and Marvel have licensed their IPs out very effectively, and Disney has done a good job making partners with people like Microsoft, with Sony, with Ubisoft, with EA over there. Um, we've seen some really good games come out of all these different parties using those IPs. And I think CD Projekt Red is saying, hey... We have this really strong IP. It's done really well as a TV show and as a game. Why not continue to expand on the universe? So I expect us to see probably more, not only just games coming out from partner studios, but I could see some spinoff shows coming out. Maybe we get an animated show. Maybe we get more books in that realm. Uh, it seems like they find the richness of that IP very effective, especially with stuff like Game of Thrones doing so well, Rings of Power with Lord of the Rings doing so well. There's a lot of room to kind of move in that fantasy genre right now. And I think CD Projekt Red wants to capitalize on that while, again, still continuing to build up cyberpunk as well. 
And that was fun. I got completely lost there. That was a, a new experience. Uh, anything fun. else to say on CD Projekt Red's pipeline, John? Um, hopefully we're alive to see the next Cyberpunk. That's almost Hey, there we go. Well, we'll see where it goes from there. Next up, just some new trailers. We're not going to play them on stream here, but to give you guys a heads up, there have been a ton of new trailer drops this week. We have the Dead Space remake. That one got a new trailer again set to launch in January 2023. We have Need for Speed Unbound. Uh, that's going to be a new Need for Speed game, and it's coming out with a little bit of an anime vibe to it. So that'll be interesting to see how that one is taken upon the audience. Personally, I like it. I mean, we're looking at something where, I mean, Forza has kind of dominated the racing genre for a while. You have the Horizon series, which has done a really good job with the open world stuff. Then on top of that, you have some really cool stuff going on as well with the actual motorsport game that's been in development for longer than most motorsport games are, and they're probably going to knock it out of the park when it does release next year. With that being said, Need for Speed, while it can compete in certain areas, I think they're saying, hey, let's try to differentiate ourselves. Let's look a little bit more arcadey, but not as arcadey as a Mario Kart. Let's kind of pull some of those vibes in, but give a different aspect to it. And I think they're taking a chance here with the anime aspect, but I think it's a chance that could pay off for them. Few other trailers dropping this week. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. That campaign has just continued to roll on, John. I feel like we have a new trailer mentioned almost every week. Uh, they continue to drop new information, snippets of new things you can do in the Pokemon world. Looks at the region, looks at people you encounter, shows of new Pokemon, all of that goodness. So again, a new trailer dropping there. Modern Warfare 2, again, they are also in full marketing push now. They gave us a gameplay launch trailer. I'm sure we're going to get plenty more as we get closer to that launch date of October 28th. But again, a new trailer there for Modern Warfare fans. Wild Hearts, this is the EA Hunter Survival Monster Hunter-esque style of game that they have working with a third-party studio. They gave about a seven-minute gameplay trailer this week. I actually haven't had a chance to catch it yet, um, but it has been getting some feedback here and there. People seem interested in the game. Again, Monster Hunter being a huge phenomenon worldwide. Started out really big in Japan and then kind of spread to Asia, and then with Monster Hunter World, became big in Europe and North America as well. And this could do the same thing. Again, EA uh, is a company that people don't necessarily trust up front, but hey, FIFA still sells extremely well every single year, as do most of their sports games. So I could see this one being picked up. I have somewhat lower expectations. Again, I haven't even seen the trailer, but just because it hasn't trended as much as some of these other games like Monster Hunter, um, but there could be some success there. And then last but not least, John, this one, not necessarily a game, but an adaptation of a game, the Super Mario Brothers movie trailer. Did you get a chance to check that out when it dropped today? I am going to be completely honest. I am terrified to watch it. Oh, for real? Absolutely terrified to watch it. Uh, if it wasn't super long, I'd have you watch it here on stream, to be honest. Um, but it is a good trailer. I think the animation's fantastic. I think a lot of the voice acting is really good. Uh, emphasis on a lot of, not all of it. Um, Bowser, I think, was Jack Black, if I remember correctly. I think he does a really good job. Uh, Keegan with Toad is really good as well. So there's a number of some pretty good voice acting in the trailer. And the animation, again, is top-notch. I think the animation is probably some of the best we've seen in animated films. Now, with that being said, Chris Patton's Mario voice, uh, he did say it'll be nothing like anything we've heard in the Mario world before. Uh, that is definitely a fact. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Some people are letting it slide, saying it's not that bad. Others are like, it doesn't sound Italian at all. And then some people, I think Tots and Discord made a good point. Would you want to listen to Mario's full-fledged voice for a two-plus-hour movie? 
that might get a little grating at times, and I could definitely see that. So maybe with that aspect in mind, Nintendo allowed Pratt to go with a not-as-Mario-sounding voice. Uh, it sounds very Chris Pratt. It sounds like his normal voice. And then there's a twinge of Italian kind of slipped in there here and there. So, John, once you are able to listen to the trailer, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that one. I'm just waiting to hear the same voice I heard from the Super Mario Bros. movie back in the 90s of, like, <laughs> Mario having that thick Brooklyn accent. Like, hey, I'm trying to plumb here. What are you doing, ya Goomba? You know, kind of thing. I'm just I'm just waiting to hear that for, for Mario's voice. Yeah, I... I- <laughs> I think this one will do considerably better than the original Super Mario movie. I feel pretty safe saying that. Um, But yeah, regardless if you like the voice work or not, it's definitely worth checking out the animation. I think this one will probably be a huge success, especially in Asia. And again, with the level of animation it has, with the number of big-name voice actors and actresses it has, I could definitely see this one translating on over to a huge success over here in U.S. and Europe as well. Then we have a delay to mention Company of Heroes 3, if you guys are into that RTS from Sega. Unfortunately, it is delayed. I didn't write the date here, but I believe it's February 2023, uh, which as of this last year was a huge month for games with Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, Sifu, and a number of others. It looks like February 2023 will mirror February 2022 in being a huge launch month for games as well. Company of Heroes now finding their way into that uh, pit of destruction potentially for their sales depending on what other rts games are in that month as well but again it is going to be a big one for games lots of launches that much lots of stretched wallets for gamers in all honesty with all those titles dropping as well next up we have some breaking news from the nba 2k league john go ahead and break it down for us yeah uh breaking as of like 15 20 minutes ago uh the nba 2k league is continuing to expand globally uh, they have announced their first team that is going to be representing Australia and the NBL uh, in the NBA 2K League. That's going to be Oz Gaming, uh, the newest member of the 2K League from down under. Uh, really exciting. They are now the third international team. Um, still waiting to see a little bit more information. See, I, I can't imagine they're going to be playing from Australia with that massive time difference in the lag. I feel like they're going to be somewhat uh, along the same lines of what uh, the Shanghai Tigers are doing, uh, where they're actually in Kentucky. Um, So uh, we'll wait to see where they're going to be located uh, here in North America, most likely. Uh, But Dukes Gaming, uh, the first true international uh, organization, if you will, based out of Mexico City, uh, playing in Mexico City remotely before they go back to in-person play. Uh, so uh, that is going to be the third one in Oz Gaming from Australia joining the 2K League for the 2023 season. Yeah, some really big news there. Again, continue to expand, continue to build out that league. And uh, I, I'm with you, John. I do not think they play from Australia. Uh, <laughs> the league had some connection issues last year just across the country. I can't imagine what those connection <laughs> issues would look like all the way from East Coast to Australia. So, yeah, I'm very doubtful on that front. Uh, With that being said, that's kind of bringing us toward the end of the show. We need to talk about League of Legends Worlds, though. It is the biggest esports event in the world every single year, and it's no different this year, continuing to pull in some very big viewership numbers, uh, especially in Asia, but really across the world, rivaling some of the biggest sporting events overall. Um, John, the field's looking pretty good so far. We are through play-ins. We now have the full group draw out. And we can go over those groups and just kind of walk through them briefly, our initial thoughts on them, and then we'll continue to wrap up the show. I'm going to skip Group A since both of our teams fall into that one. We'll come back to that one at the end. 
Group B, we have JD Gaming from China, G2 Esports from Europe, Damwon Kia from the LCK of South Korea, and then Evil Geniuses from North America. Um, overall, what are your thoughts on this group, and who do you currently think advances? I'm sorry, I was trying to get it up on screen. Which group were we talking about? We're we are talking group B. group B, good sir. Oh, group nice B. infographic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, see, look at that. Uh, Riot, uh, I will give you compliments when compliments are due. Thank you for your League of Legends page actually working. Uh, do me a favor, fix your Valorant page. Um, all right, Joey. So, uh, again, group B. Uh, Damwon Gaming, I think that's going to be the easy favorite. Um, G2, I feel like, has to be your second seed. Uh, EU is just still head over heels better than NA, and that hurts me as an NA fanboy. Um, I feel like G2 is, has got to be favorites for the number two seed. Uh, Evil Geniuses could possibly pull something off here. Um, but, again, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, JDG Intel Esports Club, I think it's a cool story. I don't think too much is going to happen with them. I, I really think this is going to be a two-horse race for the second seed to advance out of the group. Yeah, I'm in a similar spot. I think Damwon Kia comes out on top. I think G2 Esports ends up taking that second seed. I think JD Gaming will push G2 a little bit, but in the end, they will come through in third. And then Evil Geniuses, I know the Prophet, who is probably our best player when it comes to League of Legends on the OTN server, thinks Evil Geniuses has a chance of coming out of this group. Uh, personally, I do not. I think they're a very solid fourth pick here. I could even see them going 0-6, to be completely honest. Oh, wow. I think this is a hell of a tough group. I mean, you have a strong seed from China, a strong seed from South Korea, and a very strong seed from the LEC. I just, I mean, Evil Geniuses has talent. I just don't know if they have enough to get out of this group, and I really don't know if they have enough to get out of fourth place. Fair enough. Next up is Group C. We have Rogue, the number two seed from the LEC, Top Esports from China, GAM Esports from the Southeast Asian region, and then DRX as well from South Korea. Um, again, this is another really, really strong group, John. I think personally DRX comes out on top here. Yep. And then I think I'm going to put Top Esports in second. Uh, it could even be Top Esports in first and DRX in second, but I do think those two teams come out in the top two. Rogue will push them, and GAM could make some noise, but I just don't see either one of those teams taking over a team from LCK or LPL. I, I think if Rogue pulls out some some funny comps like what North America is used to kind of doing to really throw off uh, the Asian region teams, uh, Rogue might be able to make a push for the second seed. But no, I, I think you're right. I think DRX and Top Esports are going to be your number one and your number two. Um, I, I would love to see Rogue actually do something interesting uh, on the international stage and and you know try to catch one of these teams off guard. Um, but I don't really see that happening. EU doesn't really do fun stuff like that. They're, they're a little too serious for that. Uh, so I'm going to put Rogue in third in this group. Um, and I think DRX and Top are going to be your one-two in this group. Yeah, so I think we're very much in the same line of sight there. Group D, we have Gen G from South Korea. CTBC Flying Oyster. I have no idea what region that is from, but that is amazing. Uh, that could be Taiwan. 100 Thieves and then RNG here as well. This one is going to be a tough group, if you ask me. I think Genji's very talented. I think RNG from China coming in as that fourth seed has a lot of talent for a fourth seed. And then 100 Thieves being one of those top teams from NA as well could make some noise. Um, yeah, I I don't know who's going to be the top one here. I think Genji is probably my for sure out of the group. But then from there, I think RNG and 100 Thieves could have a really tight contest for that second spot. Uh, Joey, our good friends, the Flying Oysters, are out of Taiwan. 
Okay, so it is um, Taiwan. Nice. Yeah, so uh, absolutely fantastic uh, that our friends from Taiwan have made it to the international stage, and their name is absolutely fantastic, but that name is, name is going to quickly fade into obscurity because this group is absolutely disgusting. Uh, Genji and RNG, in my opinion, are your top two teams. I don't even think it's really that close. Uh, sorry, 100 Thieves, and sorry, Flying Oysters. You guys can meet up at an amazing oyster roast, if you will, uh, and you guys can have some oysters together. Wow, absolutely adorable. And that brings us to Group A. Talk about group it. A of Worlds is... Huh, this is a group Disgusting. that... Yeah, I, our teams did not get the best of draw here. No. Uh, we have T1 from South Korea. We have Edward Gaming, a powerhouse from China, alongside NA's number one in Cloud9, and then Fnatic, who is LEC's number three in Europe. Um, yeah, I, I mean... It's hard to count Cloud9 and Fnatic out because they're the two teams that always pull off miracle runs for the West. With that being said, they're doing it against some of the really most rugged and most aged teams in all of League of Legends. T1, the team that has won the most championships ever from the LCK, and Edward Gaming, who is arguably the most successful team ever from China. I mean, that is, that is not very easy competition, but if you're going to have a miracle run, might as well do it against the top dogs, right? Joey... Look, uh, you're a Fnatic fan. I'm a Cloud9 fan. Look, there's bad blood between NA and EU. Joey, I feel like we need to put our bad blood aside and to come together for the Western League of Legends region as a whole. We need to find a way to ensure that both of our teams get out of this group. Yes, it oh may be gosh. a pipe dream. Yes, I may be on some sort of drug. Or drugs, plural. We don't know yet. We're still waiting the test results. But, Joey, we need Fnatic and Cloud9 both out of this group. Is it going to happen? I am turning up my tank of, of Hopium uh, to its max setting, and I am taking very large and in-depth breaths of, of Hopium. Because um, otherwise, they're, they're not making out of it, this group at all. They're not. Uh, it's going to be T1 and Edward Gaming. And I, and I hate it. I hate it when Cloud9 got drawn into this group, watching Fnatic go through the play-in stages. You know, we were both like, oh, crap. Th this is actually going to happen. Fnatic's going to get put into Group A. And sure enough, Fnatic got put into Group A. And here we are, the two Western hopes in a group with two absolute international behemoths in T1 and Edward Gaming. I'm, I, I'm, I'm sick to my stomach. I, I don't see how we're going to get out, but I, th I, I hope one of us does, and I hope it's Cloud9. I mean, it's just fascinating how much history is here, right? Like, this group has at least four championship wins between it. Between mm -hmm. T1 and Fnatic, they've all won the championship. Cloud9 is probably the most storied organization from NA that's in the tournament. T1, same for LCK. Edward Gaming, same for LPL in China. Fnatic, same for Europe. I mean, these are the four most storied organizations from their region all drawn into the same group. Yeah. If Cloud9 and Fnatic both make it out, I think it'll be the biggest world story ever in the history of League of Legends Worlds. Do I see that happening? Probably not. Uh, I could see the Phillies winning the World Series this year before that happens. Uh, with that being said, I think there is a chance that one of them could take over Edward Gaming and could slide into that spot. Uh, I think T1 is the for sure number one out of this group. But again, Edward Gaming... Very storied, very strong, a very good organization with a very good team under them this year. I do think they're beatable, and Cloud9 does some crazy things, and so does Fnatic, and they have ways of kind of tripping up those very storied, very by-the-book Eastern teams, and I think that could be the way that they get one of those teams out of there. With that being said, 
I still lean toward T1 and Edward Gaming coming out of this group, and I actually think your boys Cloud9 could finish above Fnatic as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have COVID. Your, your, your team has COVID right now, Joey, and um, that is the great um, factor right now is that, like, two of your five players have COVID. Um, hopefully they're doing well. We Obviously, we don't wish ill will on anyone when it comes to being sick with COVID or anything like that, uh, but, but that is a factor. Um, yeah, T1's definitely winning this group. Uh, T1 is capable of losing. These are best-of-one uh, games, uh, best-of-one series, if you will. Cloud9 has beaten T1 before uh, in the group stage. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if they do that. But at the same time, like you said, it, it's, it's T1. Uh, T1 is just... I think calling them legendary is is still underrated. is is still undermining like how good they really have been historically as an organization. And to this day, their their worst season would be any organization in the Western world's best season, hands down. Um, it's they're just that good. Edward Gaming, yeah, they do some stupid stuff from time to time. Yes, they're beatable also, uh, but they're just playing on a whole different level. They they look incredibly incredibly strong. I don't know. I don't know, Joey. Uh, I hope Cloud9 finishes above Fnatic just for bragging rights. I will take third place with you in fourth. Um, but I, I I don't know. I would love to see one of our teams make it out of this group, though. Yeah, if at least one, right? We want some one. Western team to root for, even if it's not Fnatic or Cloud9. Uh, as long as it's not TSM and they're not here this year, we're totally fine. So give us some Western team to move on. Whether I mean, G2 should move on, right? Like G2 is probably the most clear-cut one for sure. Um, but there should be some other opportunities across the board as well. With that being said, these do kick off tomorrow, October 7th. And that will kick off with Group A. The first match kicking off the World's Group Stage will be Cloud9 versus Fnatic at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So lots of excitement there for a good little NA versus E rivalry to really kick things off. With that great. being said... I'm not going to talk to Joey at all tomorrow. It's fantastic. <laughs> It's, it's great. <laughs> it will be good times. I'm sure we'll be doing some trash talking. Maybe we'll throw a little bit around on social media as well. Go ahead and stay tuned for that action. Um, but I think that does wrap us up, John. Again, you already shouted out GamerBytes earlier. You guys can subscribe for that too. Bit.ly forward slash GamerBytes sign up. We'll go ahead and send out some weekly news next Monday. Uh, a number of stories dropped this week, including the ones we talked about today, as well as a number of other ones. We'll go ahead and get those all curated for you guys there. And I think we are good to head into that closing. All right, Nation, that is going to do it for this edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, make sure you follow the show on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review if your podcatcher allows it. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and your favorite podcatcher. Just look us up at the Level Up Podcast. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we love to hear from our community so much, we have multiple ways for you to reach out to us. Joey, what are some of those ways? Absolutely. Level Up Nation, head on over to Twitter and find us at Level Up Live, LVLUP Live. In addition to that, you can follow the umbrella company, OTN Media, on Twitter and Facebook at OTN Media and on Instagram at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow, maybe even one of those juicy Twitch Prime subs over here on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. This show Thursdays, typically at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Again, apologies for the quick time change tonight, moving it up an hour. With that being said, we'll be back on Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern time, moving forward. All right, make sure you tune in next Thursday. That is October 13th as we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming and esports news. 
Do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We will catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. Remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, Level Up. up.